Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I, I pray we would see the cross and what it truly means for us that when we deserve death and hell, you didn't just come to us, you died for us. So when we see the cross, when we, we put up the cross in our churches, we talk about the cross, we look at it and we would really know, really know that because of the cross we have life. And we can have life forever in Jesus. So I pray that uh, as we sang that uh, you would heal us of pride and from wanting to go our own way and uh, thinking that uh, we know better uh, and always wanting to be right and that we would look uh, to you, Jesus. And if we really see you, Jesus, uh, you melt hearts, you change hearts, you change lives, you change families. So we believe in that power and I pray the power of the Holy Spirit would push anything aside that is counter to that or would try to block that and we would know all that you have done for us on the cross I thank you for these people who come to worship to pray, to hear your word and may they know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to them now may they know the power of your word the power of the church uh, to heal, also to proclaim who is the light of life you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Thankful again to our worship team for leading us. Uh, you can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8. We're going to read a couple verses in John 8. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, we have some Bibles in the back. Uh, you're welcome to pick up one. You're welcome to take one home as our gift to you. Uh, John 8 We are in a series uh, through Lent, which is the 40 days leading up to Easter. Uh, In this series, we're calling He Is, uh, He being Jesus. Uh, And it's based on seven statements that Jesus said in the book of John, the Gospel of John, where He said, I am, I am such and such, I am the bread of life. And so we're calling this series He Is because He is these things. Uh, my goal for this series is that we would, together as a church, see and savor Jesus more and more, if not for the first time. Say that again. My goal, teacher, preacher, pastor, elder, is that our church would see and savor Jesus More and more, or perhaps for the first time. Now then, there are several challenges, I would say, that confront me in this task or goal. Several challenges. Uh, First would be, as we talked about last week, is that we all feel like we we know Jesus. We're like, haven't we seen Jesus? Hey, I'm in church. And I talked about how somebody can uh, befriend me on Facebook, or befriend us. We accept their friendship. You know, can see on the Facebook page... Uh, birth, interest, school, if they're married or not, and get all the Facebook facts. And the thing is, often we look at Jesus and we feel like we know him and we really just know what I'll call the Facebook facts. And like, hey, he's my friend, I got it, I know this. And we really, as we just sang about, don't see what he's done for us on the cross. We don't savor it. We don't savor it. We don't know that because of him we have life. 
because of him, we will have life eternal. Uh, and we just kind of relegate church, spiritual life, Christianese to the Facebook facts. Another challenge I would call the postures of us walking in the church. You know, everybody postures in, in one way or the other. I mean, it can be, you know, posture of pride, posture of humility. I mean, everybody's communicating even as they, as they walk and even without talking. So some of us can come into church, and, and this can be me too. Some of us can come into church with a posture of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I got that. Hey, I've seen Jesus, you know. You're not telling me anything new. And it's a posture of, I got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the, the yeah, Jesus. Hey, I know the Facebook facts. Hey, I did, my, I did my rise with God time. And that can be our posture, and it's not really a posture to receive. Receive what the Holy Spirit would say to us. Another posture, and, and people don't readily admit this, at least not in the Bible Belt, is a posture of just no. I mean, just straight up no. Like, you know, they may be here, they may come to church because they have to, or they feel like they should, but really in their heart, their heart's saying no. Either no, I'm not going to receive it, or no, I really don't believe it. But I I can't say that because, I mean, you know, we're kind of all Christian around here, and I would never say that I really don't believe that. I mean, so it's a posture of no. The other posture, though, is what I call the the lean in. The lean in. Like like you hear something... uh, and I wouldn't say it's from me or from any pastor or from any, any worship team. You hear it from the Holy Spirit. You're like, that, I'm going to lean into that. Tell me, tell me more, Lord. Tell me, tell me more, Holy Spirit. And so I know I pray for myself, uh, both in this church right here in worship when we gather together, uh, in other times with people. I was like, give me a lean-in posture, Lord, that I hear from you, that I hear from them, because my, my heart... My heart is fighting to have a yeah, yeah posture that I know it all or a no posture that I'm really right. And so the battle lines are drawn between the yeah, yeah and the no posture versus the lean in. Lord, melt my heart for this church, for this congregation. Melt my heart for you that I receive. And then the other challenge is, frankly, just the idols of our life. I think the three big ones, at least here, that that I've seen in my heart and in other hearts, three big ones are reputation, family, and money. Like, family, isn't that a good thing? Well, an idol is a good thing that becomes the ultimate thing, like over and above Jesus. We talked about that today in our doctrine class, at how we can love, you know, good things and wonderful people whom we love more than Jesus. So the other challenge is, you know, there are these idols of reputation, which is a big one. Reputation and pride. Family. Good thing become an ultimate thing. And money. And really, they're all tied together here. So the goal of to see and savor Jesus, what he's done, who he is, uh, it, it's, it will happen because the, so, the Holy Spirit is so powerful and supernatural that, that he will flood hearts and churches. But, you know, a lot depends on the postures of your heart and your life and the idols that you have for, for the Holy Spirit to fully do the work that he wants to do in your life. So those are the challenges, but let's, let's look to what overcomes all challenges as we believe God's word, John 8. I want to read a couple verses, 12 through 14, so not much. 
a statement Jesus made where he says, I am. John 8, beginning with verse 12, says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Let's stop there, just a couple verses. Jesus says something bold, something radical, something revolutionary. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Uh, If we are Christian, uh, be it new in infancy uh, or growing and being formed by the Holy Spirit, uh, we believe he is the light of the world. And when we follow him, we will have the light of life. Now, here is this what I call this no posture that actually comes out in Scripture. Because what happens here, and this is, I I would, of my opinion, say this was very awkward for people at the time. Uh, It would be very awkward here. It's never happened here. It could. It might today. We'll see. But someone gets up and says, no. I mean, imagine this. Jesus is, is saying this in a gathering of religious leaders, of people who know Scripture, uh, know the Old Testament very, very well. And he says, I am the light of the world. And a Pharisee gets up and says, to put it plainly, no, you are not. That is not true. You know, kind of awkward, kind of uncomfortable. Uh, some of you may have, have felt that uh, up here and, you know, uh, I'm saying something, and you say no in your heart. Uh, It's never happened where someone has gotten up and said that. I mean, it might again today, and, you know, that would be interesting. It would be awkward. It would be uncomfortable. But, you know, I mean, we can go there if if you would like to. Often, you you just go out and say, oh, man, that pastor's crazy, or, you know, he's he's nuts, or, you know, know, whatever. But we have this, this no posture in our hearts. So here... The guy says, no, you're, you're not the light of the world. And part of that is how, and I want you to see this, how the Pharisees, how people who, who knew the Bible thought of light in that time, and also how we would think of it today. Because if this guy, and he was a Pharisee, so he knew Scripture very, very well, and Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he's thinking back to Scriptures about light, and said, no, that can't be true. Then Jesus says, I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. And, you know, here, if we believe Jesus is who he says he is, uh, here's what he's saying, okay? Where he comes from. Uh, Let's put a couple verses up on the screen. Genesis 1, uh, 1, 2, 3. Genesis 1, 1, 2, 3. You can flip in your Bibles. It's, It's easy. First page of your Bible. First couple verses. Jesus says, I know where I come from. Here's where Jesus comes from. Genesis 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, 
and there was light. God is Jesus. Jesus way back when, uh, before creation. I would say it like this. Our Savior is also our creator. Jesus was there. He said, this is where I come from. And the Pharisees thinking, this is light because God created the world and God said, let there be light. And here you are saying, I am the light of the world. There's no way you can be God. But Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. And this is where I come from. But then it's interesting that Jesus says, I know where I'm going. And let us see where Jesus is going. There's a couple other verses. I'll put it up on screen. Revelation 21. 22 through 23. John says, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? You can't answer. Who's the Lamb? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. And And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Who's the Lamb again? Jesus. So here Jesus is saying, I know where I come from with God at creation. I know where I'm going. And this is described in the new heavens and the new earth where there will be no sun, there will be no light, and light will come from who? The Lamb who is? Jesus. Um, Radical stuff. Not the Facebook facts. Okay? Of who Jesus is. The light of the world. The light of the cosmos, the light of eternity. I don't know, some of you, uh, some of you may be geeks like me who, uh, I don't know science or math, but I'm fascinated by like uh, developments in physics and in space. Anybody hear about the two black holes colliding? Raise your hand if you did. I'm just curious. Okay, so a lot of geeks like me. So I was fascinated by that. Uh, two black holes collide way, way, way off in the cosmos. And, you know, we heard sound. So, you know, and part of the reason I love that is because I believe in the sovereignty of God, the power of God, and that, you know, you read these verses, like, I mean, Jesus is over that. And Jesus did that. Jesus knew that. Eternity, beginning of creation, end of what we know, Jesus is the light of the world. So, yeah, this, this guy, this Pharisee says, no. Uh, many people today say, No. I think Jesus is a good guy, good man, good teaching, but, I mean, come on. Even Christians would say, hey, I can, I can get the cross that I needed to be saved, but, like, Jesus at the beginning and Jesus, at the, I mean, Alpha and Omega, that's what Revelation says, can't get that. That's, that's who Jesus is. That's who he is in God's Word. Now then, that's all good, but the question I would have is, well, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean for my, my life? What does it mean for your life? How does it apply? That's great, and I can even believe that, and he's all-powerful and everything, but what does it mean, preacher? And I would say this, three things, okay? And you actually see this in Genesis 1, first couple verses. When Jesus says he is the light of the world, what it means is, he is saying, and I'm taking this from the first couple verses of Genesis, Okay? where God begins to shape. He's saying that he brings form to the formless. He brings light to darkness. 
and he fills a void. He does that cosmically and globally in creation. He does it personally too for your heart, for an individual's heart. He brings form to what is formless. He brings light to what is dark. And where there's a void, he fills. Okay? Now, how do we, how do we know that? How do we see that? First, form to the formless. Uh, if, let me put it this way. If you do not have Christ in your life, you are scattered. You're scattered. If you do have Christ in your life, you are centered. Now, a lot of you are like, well, I think I have Christ in my life, but, I, man, I feel scattered. I mean, going this way and that way. Uh, then I would say, do we really see Jesus? If Jesus is abiding in us, I believe we are very, very centered people that God has brought form to what is formless. Let me give you an example. Uh, A human being, God's creation, uh, who does not know Jesus, who is not a Christian. Uh, See, as we are created, we have our mind that thinks. Uh, We have our bodies uh, that that act and uh, physical organs that help us breathe. Uh, We have uh, the heart that helps us breathe. We also have the seat of the emotions, the heart, and there's feeling. And we have the soul. So we have mind, body, heart, soul. Let me say this. If you are not a Christian, those are scattered. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, you can be thinking uh, one thing, and you might be doing something else. For example, some folks who might think they're Christians say, well, I believe, I believe, I believe, but their bodies uh, engage in sin over and over again. Uh, but yet they feel like, well, I believe, and just because I believe. But the Bible says everything sinks together when we come to Christ. Heart, mind, body, soul. It is centered. So what we think and believe impacts what we do with our bodies. Just read 1 Corinthians. Uh, how we feel impacts our mind. You're like, give me an example of that. Well, let's say we feel the power of God uh, in worship or, or listening to a song that you love or, or maybe in a, an emotional moment. I believe that impacts the mind that we want to learn more about things and the ways of God. And then we want to act how God tells us to be. If you have Christ, you are centered. If you do not have Christ, you are scattered in every other direction. Even purpose, okay? You're like, well, you know, I feel scattered. I'm going to ask you again, do you see Jesus? Do you savor Jesus? Because because a lot of us, you know, maybe feel aimless, purposeless. You know, I'm trying to find my place in life, my way in life. If you know Jesus, if he's abiding in you, you know, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. You know there's a plan. You know Jesus is with you. You, you know even, even if you don't like, know everything that's going to happen this week or this month or this year, you're like, I know there's a plan. You're centered. He brings form to the formless. I want to put up a quote that I really love a lot. Some of y'all may know it. It is the Westminster Catechism. I know, big word. Who knows that? You might know it. You might know it. Who? Couple? Couple? I know y'all in the back do. Westminster Catechism, if I got it right. Look at this. It says, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Now, just so you know, just to that, the original version says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Uh, a guy that, uh, that I like a lot named John Piper 
uh, change that, and some have, says by enjoying him forever. Um, you can do that. He's not changing the Bible. He's changing a statement. Now, I believe that is true. Because everyone is always searching for purpose and meaning and, like, what's the point of life? And I would say the chief end of man, humanity, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. If you believe that, if you live that, then you, you take life so differently. I mean, you, you enjoy a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner, but you know it came from God, creation. You enjoy a friendship or relationship. You know that came from God. You see or you begin to see God in all things, and you want to glorify him by your life. There is a difference when you live uh, that way. It's, it's a formation. You're not formless. And a lot of folks live formless lives. Last thing I'd say on this, you know, the whole, uh, there's this big word we call sanctification, which is literally like growing in the Holy Spirit. Uh, sanctification can be directly translated as being formed. You're being formed. I came across a statement that I love. I'll be saying this a lot, that life here on earth is an internship for life forever. I love that. I love that. You're being formed for your eternal life. You're being formed for the rest of your life. There is a plan. There is a purpose. There are no accidents in Christianity. And you can glorify God by enjoying his plan, his gifts. Second thing that being the light of the world says for us, like our lives, your life, is it brings light into dark places. God brings form to the formless. He also brings light into dark places. Uh, let me give you an example. If you are, if you're not a Christian, uh, I believe you're living like this. Take your life as like a house. Maybe it's the house you live in, you can manage that. But you're your life is a house. If you're not a Christian, the house has no power, no electricity, okay? So, so you live in the house, you live in your life, but uh, the power that would give life and light to every room is not there. It's not on. And so what happens, and this happens often in my house, because my wife, she doesn't know I'm saying this, I mean, she'll, she'll line up things, clothes and stuff, you know, between... Um, you know, walking to the bathroom in the middle of the night, uh, going from bed to bathroom, and I stumble, and I will fall. i got a lot of bruised toes, uh, hurt knees, okay? But even, like, going through the house, and it's all dark, and I think I know where rooms are, and you kind of sort of do, but there's no light. I'm saying, and again, you can have a posture of yeah, yeah, or you can have a posture of no, or you can have a posture of leaning in. I'm saying, life without Christ, you got the house, and the power's off. And you're wandering around, and you're banging your knees, you're stubbing your toes, tripping and falling. Life with Christ, you got the house, you got power, so the light's on. Here's the deal, though, a lot of Christians do. A lot of Christians will choose, they'll say, I'm going to turn the lights on that room off, and I'm going to keep them dark. I'm going to keep that room dark. I got the light. I know I got the light, but let's keep that room dark. And this plays out, and we think it's 
just innocent and not going to hurt anybody, but it's sin. I'm like, what are you talking about? Some examples. Well, uh, know a lot of this, heard a lot of this. Just um, people, maybe it's husbands, maybe it's a wife, just popping pills constantly. I'm going to keep that room dark. Pop that pill. I'll add some wine or maybe vodka to get a good night's sleep. I'm going to keep that room dark. Uh, mainly, guys, I've heard this one, uh, the porn addiction. Porn addiction. We'll keep that room dark. I know i got the power, lights on, but that room's going to stay dark. Another one, even more uh, subtle than the first. Lights on, I know i got the light. I'm going to keep this room dark. I'm going to peruse Facebook. What's that ex-boyfriend doing? Let me look at his life. What's that ex-girlfriend doing? Harmless, harmless. And again, thinking, imagining, dreaming. And you got a spouse too. I'm gonna keep that room dark. Another example, just you know, and, and I've used this. So, truth be told, use the example, use the excuse. I got an addictive personality. Amen, sweetie? Amen. There you go. I got an addictive personality. <laughs> Something's got to feed my addiction. Nicotine, big one for my life. Alcohol, been there. You know, lust in different manifestations. I just got an addictive personality. Oh, then working out all the time. You know, pick your poison. And use the, I got an, the excuse that I got an addictive personality. You're really just keeping that room dark. God, when he says, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me walks in the light of life. God's saying, turn on the light. Turn on the light. And so I would say there are three options that all of us have in those dark rooms, those of y'all who feel like you're Christian. Confess, number one. Let me promise you, it will be embarrassing. It is what you need to do. Uh, Number two, the other option is uh, you're busted somehow, some way. And that is, by the way, the grace of God that does that, I believe, when you get busted for the sin that you're living, for that room that's dark. Or the third, if you don't do those other two, then maybe God just gives you into your sin. He's not confessing. He keeps on doing it. And it just overcomes you. And that is, that's a bad deal. God brings light into dark places. Those of us who have dark rooms, turn on the light. Let the light shine. It happens in confession. And it's not, by the way, just to God. It needs to happen to someone that you trust, that you love, a Christian brother or sister, that will hold you accountable. And then the last thing, uh, what does I am the light of the world mean? The last thing, and again, going back to Genesis 1, when God says, let there be light, because the world was without form, void, and dark. So what does God do? What does Jesus do? He brings form to the formless, light to dark places, and he fills the void. So the last thing would be a void is filled. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He wants to fill a void in us. And there is a void. I want to read you two uh, quotes. Two famous people. Uh, It is... um, uh, first one is a movie star. It's Oscar Time. Anybody like movies? I love movies. Who loves movies? Oscar Time. So this guy never won an Oscar. 
but Jim Carrey, pretty funny, right? Jim Carrey said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed so they would see it's not the answer. Simple quote, love that quote. Uh, Those of us uh, who may not be movie fans, uh, a sports fan, this is a quote from Tom Brady. I mean, what do, I mean, I know we love Peyton Manning more, but like, what do, like, you know, who wants to be Tom Brady? I mean, it's some days. Just me? Really? Okay, thank you, Neil, for being on. Anybody else? I mean, I know we want to be Peyton Manning, but hey, Tom Brady's pretty good too, you know, okay? Um, four rings, Giselle, I mean, love you, babe. But, you know, you know, he's got it, you know, he's, he's, he's got a lot going for him. Tom Brady, listen to this quote. This was a couple years ago. He's got four rings now. Here's the, the original quote said, Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and think there is something greater out there for me? Some would say, man, this is it. You have met your goal. I say, direct quote, I say, God, there's got to be something more. I mean, this can't be all there is. There has got to be more. What else is there for me? Tom Brady and... I'll never be Tom Brady. But that's a quote of a non-Christian, a non-believer, who has a void. A Jim Carrey quote is talking about the void. We fill it with, you know, rich, powerful, fame, thinking that's it. He's saying, it's not it. There is this void that can only, can only, can only be filled by Jesus. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, a great verse, you've probably heard it before, it says God puts eternity in the heart of man. Therefore, this is not in the Bible, but therefore, if things that are not eternal are in your heart, there's always going to be a void. If eternity is put in your heart by God, and the Bible says it is, then we should be putting things that are eternal in our hearts. And that's the only thing that will fill us. So what's eternal? Word of God. Word of God. Jesus Christ. So if, if we, include myself, again, not putting eternal things in our heart, it's going to be a void. It's going to be a void. And we'll probably be formless, and there'll probably be a lot of dark rooms in our crib. Jesus is clear. I am the light of the world. Follow me and you will have the light of life. Let me say it one more time. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Uh, Let me say this. I think non-believers can easily uh, enjoy things that we as believers enjoy. Uh, For example, uh, they can enjoy a wonderful vacation on the beach or a wonderful vacation uh, in the mountains. Uh, They can enjoy a a great friendship, a relationship. Uh, They can enjoy a a wonderful steak at your favorite steakhouse. They can enjoy uh, a good glass of wine uh, with that steak. And I drink wine with my steaks, and I don't intend to stop, okay? Uh, One or two glasses, that's it. But they can enjoy these things. They can enjoy them. I will say this, though. If you are not a Christian, you cannot enjoy those things to the full, you can't. 
because you really don't know where they came from. You don't know who blessed you with those things, with those gifts, with the gift of a, a wonderful dinner, with the gift of a wonderful friendship, with the gift of the beauty of creation. If you are a Christian, you know where all things begin and all things end, and that is in Jesus Christ. Because he said, I'm the light of the world. And for them that day, light of the world meant he made light. Jesus says, I know where I'm going. I will be light for everything and everyone then. And so he says this, and we're all here, I mean, going around, trying to fill our hearts with all these things that are not eternal, and trying to like find our purpose when it begins and it ends with trusting in Jesus, turning to him. And like lost in all these uh, relationships and family drama or family of origin issues and all these things. Just turn and trust to Jesus. You're like, man, that sounds so simple and easy. It is that simple of easy. You will be formed. It is a beginning. You will be formed by the Holy Spirit. He does have a plan. He has a purpose for your life. So we plead to those who are formless, to those with the dark rooms in their house, uh, to those with the voids, turn and trust in Jesus. He says, and he is, the light of the world. He says, follow me and you will not walk in darkness, but have, but have, but possess the light of life. What's your posture right now? Yeah, yeah. What's your posture? No. What's your posture to lean in? I pray it's lean in. Uh, I, I pray you see church is more than just like, well, we've got to come and do this. I pray you know the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I pray you turn and trust in Jesus. We have an opportunity to do so as we gather to worship. You can use this time to, to worship and celebrate what he has done, what he is doing in your life. You can use this time uh, to pray uh, in your seats, on your knees in your seats, at the altars. You know, I grew up in a church where everybody would say, I always say this, you know, well, they, they went down to the altar today. You know, things have hit the fan. You know, jacked up marriage. You know, he's going to rehab. You know, it's like, you know, embarrassment to come to the altar. It's pride. Or it's the yeah, yeah attitude. Or it's the no attitude. I would just say, humble yourself to pray. Receive the Holy Spirit. Worship Him. Turn to Jesus. I need to turn to Jesus every day. Every moment. It's not like, well, I'm saved. That's not the church. Churches to encourage and equip the body of the believers and grow the body of believers that new people come to Christ. We have an opportunity in worship, in prayer, in repentance, in confession, in receiving salvation by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, change us. We are, we are searching for form and light and to be filled. And we just... We do not give you the time of day. Forgive us. Forgive me. May we use this time to worship, to know, to receive, to pray, to repent, to walk in light. In Jesus' name, amen.